Friends and listeners, welcome back to the Woody Allen Retrospective Podcast on our side project called Woody Allen Adjacent. You know what we do here. We talk about movies that are adjacent to Woody Allen in some way, whether it's a genre, whether we see Woody in certain elements, whether we want to direct, well, do a direct comparison of some sort. This is the place to do it. We've seen a lot of great movies. We've had a lot of great discussions. And I am joined on that journey, on this journey, once again, with my co-host in his venture, James Daniel Walsh, sir. Welcome back. Let's make some people uncomfortable. Let's do it. Before we do that, let's talk about, just briefly, a little plug. The last time we spoke about that classic movie, same time next year. If you're watching this or listening to this on YouTube, there'll be a link in the top right hand corner of the iCard we also got a playlist for all the Woody Allen reviews we've done all the adjacent movies we've done you know we've got a collection of discussion of movie criticism and we're going to continue on the last recording I mentioned we're going to be talking about this movie didn't make a big splash and when I spoke about Inthropy again I spoke about a movie that was very close to my heart which I know didn't really have big mass appeal but for some reason touched me for a lot of the themes and stuff it did. And this movie is no exception. So James, would you mind letting the audience know what we're, is we're talking about and who's involved? Uh, we're talking about the 1997 film Bliss, directed by Lance Young and starring Craig Sheffer, Cheryl Lee and Terrence Stamp. Uh, a movie I had never heard of until you brought it up and a movie I couldn't find anywhere. So luckily you were able to send me the file. But... Uh, this is, uh, if it uh, can be connected to Woody Allen, it would be connected more to his, I think, serious movies like Another Woman. It's a tough movie to classify. It's, well, we'll get into it, but it's about a young married couple trying to work through some rather unusual difficulties. Yeah, mm, to say the least. And mm-hmm. there's certain elements of the movie I don't really want to spoil, even though... I guess we kind of have to. I really do want, if you can find the movie, as James just said, it's not on streaming. You have to find a DVD. So I guess the big question is, is it worth your while? And before I go back and bring up why I brought this up and all that other stuff, I personally think it's a good movie. I do. It's dated and there's things about it that could be done differently today. And with another director such as Woody Allen or some other directors I might mention later, it could have been a great, 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 a more substantial, notable, like people would have been talking about this for a very long time, especially on the themes it touches and the way it touches it. But I want James's opinion first and foremost. Do you think it's worth people going out and trying to find this movie before we even get into anything? Do you think it's a decent movie? I think it's a decent movie. I think that... um... It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for people to listen to this first and then decide if they want to watch it because it's got, it's got a very specific audience that it's going to appeal to. 
and also could be I don't, I don't usually like to use uh, the word triggered, but uh, there's definitely things in this that I can see people who have gone through similar experiences uh, finding traumatic to, to watch. Definitely. And I did touch upon that a little bit on the last discussion. This is a much more serious film with a serious topic. And the first thing I want to do is talk about why I brought up this movie, which this is going to sound a bit of a roundabout, but I want to, I'm going to go a little bit behind the scenes. So about two months ago, I asked James what movie he wants to talk about. And he brought up a movie called Fading Gigolo. Now, this is a movie me and Simon already spoke about. And it has Woody Allen in it, John John Totoro. I think it's John Totoro. That's mm-hmm. how you say his surname. And it's about this gigolo who Woody Allen kind of coerces to using his sexual wiles to, you know, kind of liberate these women. Or he's so good at having sex, he can make these women feel better about themselves or da, 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 da. i'm just giving a very very brief overview and again that might be a really bad overview but that movie reminded me that i want to bring up this movie because i thought to myself that movie fading gigolo is a bit of a joke it's a bit of a mess again i'll put a link in the youtube card if you want to go back and hear me and simon talk about it i was very confused about the intention of that movie where i feel like this movie has a much more intentional focus on what it's talking about and when i originally watched this movie sometime in the early 2000s again i was in my woody allen phase and i I really enjoyed serious dramas especially about relationships and i remember even though i watched the movie um after its theatrical release i remember there was all this hype about oh this is such a edgy movie and you know crazy sex scenes and this crazy doctor and Although it's about a relationship, you're really watching it for the sexual element. And it's it's not porn, it's actors doing a racy movie. So I kind of wondered why are people, it seemed like people were praising this movie for the themes it's touching upon, but at the same time, it was a racy movie, you know, sexually racy, like a tantalizing movie. So the first time I watched this movie, I was really flawed about what I felt was a depth between the characters and their relationship that was trying to be reached and at a much younger age i thought there was a a sincerity to the movie that really grabbed me watching the sex scenes is fine and you know watching the comical things with terence stamp but i really felt the connection and the seriousness about getting in a relationship is just more there's so much more to it especially when the characters are going through things and watching this in my teens i was very young very dumb and just coming at the end of the movie i remember looking at relationships very differently and for that i always praise this movie because even though it's a slightly an erotic movie and stuff i just felt like the way it handled sex it made me see sex and intimacy a lot differently especially at the age i watched it at watching it now i still appreciate it but i think watching it at a younger age really helps me mature and i'm going to stop there and let james jump in but yeah i i watching it at the age i watched it it really has a, an effect on me it's interesting because i mean i uh i didn't find it sexy the approach that it takes to sex is one that i found uh too clinical and uh I mean, I, it's funny because it's it's being clinical 
in a spiritual way about sex. Uh, you know, talk of like chakras and things like that, which I, you know, put no credence into. But uh, <laughs> you didn't have to say that so low. I don't believe in that shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's a little crap. But <laughs> uh, trying to be respectful to people who do. But no, you're no. Wrong. Say say your piece. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I I had a hard time divorcing. Like the the three leads are all from things that I I very much associate them with. Terrence Stamp has done a lot of stuff, but obviously I just saw General Zod. Cheryl Lee being in uh, Twin Peaks and actually playing in this movie a very similar character to what she played on Twin Peaks. You almost get the feeling that, you know, had her character lived, and I don't think it's a spoiler because that's the whole premise of the show is that her character dies had her character lived, maybe this is what she would have grown up to be. And Craig Schiffer is from a movie called Nightbreed, which I'm a huge Clive Barker fan. So that's a movie I've been watching for 30 years now. Uh, and I had not seen him in hardly anything else. So oh, I just no. see the guy from Nightbreed. <laughs> you don't know Uncle Keith? I don't know Uncle Keith. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. I know you're going to yawn when I say this. So, He's actually best known for his role in a CW TV series called One Tree Hill, where he played um, one of the main characters' uncles called Uncle Keith. One of those, basically, just call him Uncle Ben. (laughs) He is Uncle Ben in that series. Such a homegrown, raising his um, brother's kid, and they look up to him, and he has a tragic fate in One Tree Hill. And he's, you know, he's a much lovable character. If you if you see One Tree Hill, I know, CW, roll your eyes, guys. I know, CW. But the show went on for like nine seasons. I loved One Tree Hill up to a point, and then it just became terrible. But yeah, Craig Sheffer, yeah, just went to put that out there from a One Tree Hill fans. Yeah, and I'm used to seeing him in, in really weird Clive Barker body horror kind of situations. But um, yeah, it was... I I did relate to it in that I was in a relationship with a woman who very much was like the Cheryl Lee character had gone through similar things and had a similar diagnosis to what we find out she has. And it rang very true in that way. But I, I didn't feel like Cheryl Lee ever, they never got her to a place where I felt like she was, she didn't come off as that damaged to me. Mm. Um, in the in the setup of the movie i mean she's oh she calls him on the phone a lot while he's at work or you know she cleans the house obsessively or something when you look back on that that doesn't feel like as extreme a behavior as what eventually you find out happened to her really warranted uh even him being kind of annoyed by it felt like um you know, well, this this doesn't seem like it's that bad. You know, they they didn't in at least to me they didn't make her out to be that damaged in the setup. Mm. She just seemed neurotic. By the end of the movie, when you you kind of you get to the payoff of everything, I didn't feel it was as earned as it could have been if they had her be more. You know, if she drank. If she did drugs, if she 
was running around having sex with every other guy that, you know, looked at her, that kind of more extreme kind of behavior might have made the ending for me feel more powerful mm. when she kind of confronts uh, what happened to her. But it was very hard for me just watching Cheryl Lee not to think of Laura Palmer because the characters are so similar in everything that they went through that um, uh, I just kept seeing Laura Palmer. So that was something I had to get past. But I, I could see this being a movie that there'd be a lot of parts that made less mature people giggle. So you really, you, you're going to have to, if, if somebody wants to see this, they've got to come at it from a place of maturity and they've got to come at it with... So I, the fact that you saw this when you were in high school and you got something from it, I think a lot of guys in high school would have just been fast forwarding to get to get to the sex scenes. Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, it's a good movie, but you really got it. It's for a very, very specific audience. That's interesting because funny enough, this movie's had this reputation for being really racy. And it's, it's I can see... I can actually agree with you that considering the breakdown of the main character, Maria, as a watcher of the movie, you might, you might have wanted to see more build up when you only see one or two things. So I guess when I'm thinking of this movie, I'm always thinking about how it kind of affected me when I was younger. Looking at it now, I've seen much wilder movies, especially dealing with psychology it's funny because when I look at this movie, I actually wonder, and a lot of the reviews I saw from the time, because you can go on, even Roger, Roger Eber uh, reviewed the movie as well, and they found it very racy, and they found it very like, you know, because I don't know how it was to talk about this so openly in the 90s, but I wonder if it was a little bit more extreme or if you saw more things, how it would have came off even then, because even then, this movie, for what it was doing, it seemed a bit wild. People was like, oh, that was really too much and you know maybe i guess maybe i'm talking about in relation to the sex scenes more than the actual drama because again believe it or not people that this the sex is just is is so superficial to the actual story of these two but i really like the way the actors played off each other because i did believe it although i think craig sheffer is a little bit wooden mm -hmm. and terence stamp borders on parody but I feel like he believes in his medicine. So as an actor, he sells it as a radical hippie-like, uh, <laughs> what, what, holistic, is it a holistic approach? Holistic therapeutic yeah. approach to therapy. Uh, I'm going to play, again, I don't know if anyone's even going to find this movie, but why don't I play the first clip? Well, actually, I'll play the second clip to deal with Terrence Stamp and Craig Shuffer speaking to each other. Don't you get it, man? She needs medical help. Maria's been a traditional therapist for seven years. Three therapists. Which therapy do you think will work at this point? Do you know what a borderline personality is? They told you there was no cure, and they were right. There is no psychoanalytic cure. The mind cannot change the mind. Real change is not a mental process. Let me guess. You think sex, your sex in particular, 
will heal Maria, said it. Yes and no. I hold no dominion over my teachings. I only know they work. But yes, conscious sex that achieves bliss is the greatest healer there is. So the way to heal a woman is to fuck her? No. Conscious sex, physically and emotionally integrated, is one way to heal a human being. Ecstasy heals the unconscious. A woman can heal a man as well. I hope you don't mind, Doctor. I'm going to try some other approaches at this point. I know you love Maria Joseph. I'm not here to take that away from you. Just don't make me take this any further. Let's talk about Terence Stamp. And I really want to get your opinions on if you were buying what he was selling. I know you said you don't really believe in this stuff, but in terms of the narrative of the film, did you feel it was presented to you through Terence Stamp? Just maybe it was his delivery of it didn't work for you? Or how did you feel about his character and his portrayal with what he's trying to put to you? I, I thought he was the best part of the movie. Um, I I bought that he believed it. I didn't know where he was going to be coming from at first. I wondered if he was going to be a scam artist or, uh, you know, that he was. It would turn out that he was trying to steal her away from her husband. Or, uh, but he, the fact that he, he, he's earnest to the point of you're right. It being parody with with the way that he performs it and i bought it i bought it from him i every time he was on the screen the movie really picked up for me and i would be interested i mean because this movie got you know so few people saw it i i would i wonder if there would be any kind of like behind the scenes stuff or interviews with the actors about it I would be very interested to know if any of them actually believed in any of this stuff. So from what I could find out from my investigation, the director, Lance Young, you can probably tell he wrote and directed this. He seems to be a big proponent of this, which is why it's a big part of the movie. Now, um, Cheryl Lee, apparently she did some work I'm not sure. It's in the Wikipedia page. It said that she actually studied some sex therapy as well before getting into the role. Craig Sheffer, not as much. And as for Terrence Stamp, I don't know. But I did hear when this was going through um, TIFF, the Torrental Film Festival, they did have a roundtable discussion about it and about the themes. And I guess a lot of people were taken more by the erotic side of it, the sex, and not so much the holistic side of it. So I guess you kind of said you don't really believe in most of that stuff they were saying in the movie. Is that right? About therapy and... The, well, the thing, I, it's not that I don't believe in it. It's that the way they... Pres- it's it's a lot like, um, you know, I, I, I've got a lot of uh, back pain. So I go and I see a massage therapist regularly. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time you get the ones where they'll say, okay, well, this is going to release your chi or this is where your energy is centered or something. And to me, I come out feeling better. So the way I interpret that is what they're calling chi or what they're, you know, this is your where your energy is centered. So that there is a, a scientific medical term for everything they're saying. Mm. They're just using the spiritual terms instead. So could this kind of therapy work for some people? 
it could. It could also, I think, damage certain people who weren't prepared for it. But that that could be true of, again, massage therapy. You could go in and have somebody pinch a nerve and you walk out really screwed up. So this kind of therapy might work for some people. I, I'm more curious in that, you know, have you ever seen the movie Kinsey? I do not believe so. It's uh, got Liam Neeson in it. Uh, and it's about a, a, the, the guy who studied sex back in the 50s and wrote the book on it. And it, you know, it's very taboo and everything back then. He gets in oh. a lot of trouble. But anyway, it, it, Laura Linney plays his, his wife in it. And on the behind the scenes features, they decide to give the actors the test that this guy would actually give to people that he was that was helping him with this research and all the actors are being really blunt and and they're going along with it Liam Neeson is you know when was the first time you masturbated and Liam Neeson tells the story and then they cut to Laura Linney you know when was the first time you you masturbated I don't think that's any of your business and I'm like lady you were just in a movie <laughs> about how about this kind of thing and, and you get the feeling like, oh, for her, this was just a part. She doesn't believe in any of this stuff. Mm. And I'd be mm. curious with these actors if they just were like, oh, this is a good part. I think this is all a bunch of bullshit, but, uh, you know, this is a, this is a good part. Uh, but Terrence Stamp plays it as straight, and uh, which sometimes makes it a little bit funny. But I like I said, I bought him. I bought him in the part. I thought he was the best part of it. I think you're right about Craig Schiffer being a little wooden, though. Speaking of which, let's play the... I've only got two more clips. And again, I guess the relationship between the two, Cheryl Lee and Craig Sheffer, is something that I... I guess in my young age, and again, I always talk about this in so many movies that I watch, especially when cinema has an effect on me in a visceral way. Growing up and watching this movie, thinking you could end up with a woman that's damaged and how would you handle it? And I guess that's what kind of groped me about the movie more than anything else. Seeing... You know, if you really love a woman, sometimes you have to change. And the things that she does, especially going through sex therapy, for most guys I know, complete deal breaker. Complete. I know you might think they're not really in love. If you love your wife, you've got to, it's about more than that. And I think this scene I'm going to play, I guess it's the beginnings of that. And watching Craig Sheffer's character become convinced that this might be a way kind of opened my mind up to you know when you're in love with someone you really gotta go the distance so let's have a listen to this clip i know about both sir it's not what you think really what is it then do you come with both sir and is that why you go to learn how to come it's not about that it's not then about what is it about you know what you're alive Oh, marriage is a lie. You. You want to, want to tell me why? Oh, I don't feel very close to you right now. Oh, you don't, you don't feel very close to me right now? You're paying some guy to fuck you, and you don't feel very close to me right now. You know, I'm your husband, for Christ's sakes. I don't care who you are. A lot of the critic, critic reviews I saw for this did say, in hindsight, they, they, even though Maria is the character of focus to deal with the trauma. It focuses too much on the men. On top of that, when it comes to the sexual aspects, the nudity, 
they seem very conservative when it comes to the men. Like they don't show the men's genitals and, you know, but when it comes to the women, they show more of that. So it's like, it's selective of what as well. And, you know, looking at it back in the lens of 2021, I'm sure some people will say this is, you know, still mansplaining to a certain extent, female trauma. And I saw, I actually saw one modern review of that in IMDb that this doesn't hold up. This is basically mansplaining and the woman doesn't really get a voice. Um, and at the end when Cheryl does take up more of the focus of their relationship and explaining it is, I do look back on it on a critical eye and say that is more uneven, you know, and that does make me wonder if Woody Allen did this movie instead of Fading Gigolo, which he didn't direct. I know he didn't direct that movie that was John Totoro, but what do you think he would have done with this material? And I, I, I have a feeling, especially from a, a comedy aspect, the both of his character would have been amazing for Woody Allen. He would have just loved that. But the more serious aspects, how do you think Woody Allen would have balanced this line any better? I think Woody would have gone maybe even more serious. There were a few moments in the movie that I, I don't know if they were supposed to be funny. Craig Schiffer is walking around telling everybody, uh, you know, I love myself. I love myself three times a day. Uh, and <laughs> That's pure comedy, James. Definitely yeah. pure comedy. <laughs> I don't think Woody would have done that. I think mm. Woody would have gone. I mean, if you look at, like I said, another woman or September or interiors, it would be a movie like that. And those movies don't really have a sense of humor at all. They're very, they're, they're Woody trying his best to be Ingmar Bergman, which even Ingmar Bergman had a sense of humor in his movies a lot uh, that, that Woody would seems to sometimes forget about completely when he's doing a, a really serious drama. Woody never really did anything as far as sex scenes that I can yeah. think of. I mean, the movies would be, uh, there'd be a lot of talk about sex in the movies, but there wouldn't be sex scenes. The only, in fact, the only movie I can think of of his that ever had any nudity in it was uh, Deconstructing Harry. Oh, I was going to say Match Point. <laughs> Did Match Point have nudity in it? Not nudity, not nudity, no. But the sex scenes were not nudity. It, yeah, know. it did have the sex scene, uh, deconstructing Harry when he goes to hell. There's you, you see some topless women there, but I don't think Woody would have touched this movie. Honestly, I think yeah. this is this is way too heavy a topic for him. Let me ask you a question. I'm always curious. Why do you think Woody leaned away? from his Igmar Berman type movies is more serious dramas because the last one if you really think about it and I know this isn't really a drama I guess Wonder Wheel really was the last drama he did and even that no mm. it, I guess that was more of a drama I would say Wonder Wheel was his last drama why do you think he's kind of leaned away from that anyway uh I wonder if it has to do with just where he's at as far as his career goes that maybe with Rainy Day in New York and Rifkin's Festival he thought that I want, you know, I, and, and he, he always, I don't care if people go see my movies. It doesn't matter to me. Well, if, if that was the truth, he would make them completely independently on his own. And then, you know, not even care if they ever got a release. I think the last few movies he said, maybe if I can do another Annie Hall, maybe if I can do something that, uh, you know, people think comedy is my strength, then I'm going to do comedy. Um, 
that's the only thing I can think of is maybe he just really thinks I, I, I gotta, I gotta get people maybe on my side. And if I, 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 I wonder too, like, I mean, you could look at a lot of Woody Allen movies and say, not that I, and I wouldn't agree with it, but, oh, this is him mansplaining, you know, blue Jasmine is him mansplaining what, uh, what a woman would be going through in this situation. I, I maybe he's trying to avoid that because the 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 dramatic movies usually are about women. Yeah, even a, I guess an irrational man would be the one that had, you know, had Joaquin Phoenix in it as a as a prominent role. But I felt Emma Stone was more the central character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe he just is. Maybe he's wary of it now. It's the last couple of movies did have really male leads to them, so. You know, I mean, even in um, Roger Ebert's review, he was saying that Woody Hallen, he actually said it, and I'll leave the link to his review in the podcast description. He feels that Woody Allen would have made um, a strong impact if he had the script to this. But I kind of agree with you. I don't think he would have touched this because whenever I see a Woody Allen film, there's certain things I just don't think he wants to delve too much. I think he's done serious yeah. topics before, definitely. But he just doesn't want to delve too much into certain things. And maybe because it's real life, obviously with his dramas, yeah. he's had enough of that in real life. So why do I need to bring that in the movie? Cause he'll be, he'll get criticized for it. Obviously. Yeah. Especially if he made this movie, but then I could see him doing it and being like, I've always championed women. He said that before. Yeah. I've always championed women. So why can't I do it? You know, I, I, I can kind of, I'm, I'm now imagining like Woody doing this in the seventies with uh with take out the like the really heavy stuff at the end and have Woody play the Terrence Stamp part. That would have been amazing, you know. I'm I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to teach you to injaculate. Uh, <laughs> that would have been fantastic. Uh, that he could have made a really great comedy out of it. Um but um no, I can't see him doing it uh, uh the way that I like I said if you take out the really heavy heavy revelation at the end Woody always, he would oftentimes tackle movies about a man trying to be in a relationship with a crazy woman. Exactly. And yeah. that, but, but he usually approached it from a, and this movie does too. I mean, I get, see, this is where like, I, I feel where you're saying, where the, the people who might criticize it, especially now, oh, this movie is mansplaining. This movie is uh, a man's point of view about, uh, a woman's trauma but also it's about a man learning about a woman's trauma yes there are lots of movies about women dealing with their trauma this is about a man who is learning to deal with it and learning to how to be the best partner he can be learning how to be supportive and accepting and 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 what he's going through i mean and that's why you're my co-host because <laughs> basically that's the point that's why i love this movie that's why mm -hmm. because this movie kind of taught me how to be a better partner and i know that's grandiose praise but i was surprised to see um I'm, again I, you can put it down to culture and how i was brought up being like uh a man from a, uh, a Christian upbringing where the man's head of the house and 
you don't women serve the men and so when i see this movie and again as you perfectly said right there it's about a man learning about a woman's trauma and putting her first and him as tramp bringing all this hokey holistic therapeutic stuff and the woman having some really serious demons that he has to walk through the fire but he really loves her so he really does it and it at my young age it really shell-shocked me and that's what i think this movie does very very well that kind of sets it apart from the rest and that's why when it comes to the erotica about this movie that's the window dressing the erotica stuff is a window dressing terence stamp is the fun guru that's fun all right Mm -hmm. but the relationship between the two and this man understanding the trauma this woman has and thank you james you teed me up perfectly for this last clip i'm going to play where terence stamp really just takes it home so i'm gonna it's a bit of a longer clip but i'm gonna play it and terence stamp just takes it home and that's what really makes this movie resonate in my mind you married a scarred and emotionally dysfunctional woman has it ever occurred to you to ask yourself why why you put up with so much and return for so little because i'm in love with her okay and because i believed in you and i, I believed that we could help her our relationship has never been about Maria. Never. You don't love Maria, Joseph. You want to mold her. You want to make her something for Joseph. And you've only ever proven to me that you'd do anything to make that happen. And what do you know about love? Huh? Love is being there when they hate your fucking guts. Love is being there when they bleed. I mean, have you ever been with a woman for more than one hour? Ever? Wendy takes small steps every day to make herself attractive. She eats, then she eliminates through the esophagus, mind you. That's when she's not taking the latest laxative on the market. A beautiful woman, Leslie. God made her five foot five and a voluptuous 128 pounds. But sometime, probably when she was a teenager, she got the idea that she wasn't so beautiful. Maybe it was because her friends, Debbie and Connie, were getting all the boys. But she started a program of repetitive surgery to suck all the fat from her body. She started with her hips, her thighs, her tummy. And next month, unless we do something to help her, she'll continue with her arms and her ankles. They always do. Candy's had four implants. She just can't get it quite right. Evil injects her face with cow fat six times a year. Jane, two hours on a Stairmaster. An hour on a treadmill, daily. They dress to flaunt this, to hide that. They cover their faces with poisons. You're right. They do bleed, Joseph. And do you know why? Because they're desperate to sell what men buy. Desperate to be what they're not, to be loved. Like Maria. Have you ever thought that maybe your focus on Maria is a distraction from your own fear of abandonment, your own emptiness, your own life. You want to be a healer? Heal yourself. Yeah. (laughs) 
again, that's a really powerful revelation. A bit, tiny bit of a spoiler. It's a big, it's a nice payoff near the end of the movie as well. But you really did encapsulate why this movie resonated with me so well. And I would think in 2021, this is a good message. But to get there, I guess it's a bit, a bit of a, a bit of a hodgepodge. But again, at least compared to, and I hate to, I can now keep throwing that movie Fade in Gigolo <laughs> mm. down the down the the rubbish chute. But <laughs> that movie, it just, I I like a bit more of a focus in my films. And I feel like at least there's a focus here, you know, about this character. Could it have been done better? Definitely. Today, you know, people calling it mansplaining. I guess because men are like 75% of the characters in this movie <laughs> and yeah. only at the end do you see women, which I completely understand. And Maria being the main focal point of the issue, they could have developed her more, they could have done more. And all the critics of the time have said that. But again, teaching a man how to really um, be there for his woman, his love, regardless if it's the wife, I think that's a powerful message this movie does. And I think it does it really well. And you know, I would, I would, I would have been interested to see what Woody Allen would have done with it. But in my heart of hearts, I know he really wouldn't have touched it when it really comes. I don't think Woody Allen would have touched it. Another director, which I might spitball. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. But so far, I think this is a good movie. And the director, Lance Young, this is a one and done for him. He did this movie, and apparently, from what I could find out, it was more like to do with. Uh, a side project. I think it was like a part of his undergraduate. He had to pick a um, a subject and filmography or cinematography. It was to help him with his university study. It's just one film. He was passionate about the subject matter, which is why it's such a focus on the sex, the healing, the hippie stuff. And one and done. I think that will probably be my last question. From a director's perspective, this guy, one movie, writing directing how it was shot what do you think of this as a package it, it definitely does feel dated and i could definitely see you know i was when i when i was looking into the movie i saw that it was originally nc-17 and they had to get it down to an r rating which i think probably hurt the movie it's something i could see definitely like being on netflix and them not having the constraints and being able to do uh, something a little bit slicker and a little bit deeper as far as the actual, you know, if it was Netflix, you don't have to stick to a two hour running time. You can, you could, you could be four episodes or whatever. You can have an, a, an entire episode that focuses entirely on the Maria character. It could definitely be made better today, but for what it is, uh, it's a competently made movie. It's a, a a uh, good-looking movie. I'm surprised the director only did this and nothing else because um, he could have gone on, to, I think, to have a career. So, um, yeah, I think that if, if that's what this was, it was just a one-and-done. It's a very good one-and-done. Yeah. Pretty much. And uh, I think I pretty much talked out. I really appreciate you checking out the movie. I know this is a weird one. <laughs> And uh, I have a lot of weird ones coming, James. So if you thought this was strange, <laughs> <laughs> I already, well, the people don't know. I've already thrown you another curveball, which you're going to yeah. start to work through soon. <laughs> so we're going to have more conversations like that. But um, 
yeah, Bliss, uh, the title and the, the DVD cover, again, don't judge a book by its cover. This isn't exactly how it's presented at face value. It's a much more mature movie when it really comes down to it. I like the way the sex is handled. I think there's more sincerity and intimacy here, but it's definitely dated. It has the 90s effect. A lot of the, a lot of the 90s stuff, I love big phones. But yeah, uh, I've pretty much said all I want to say about the movie. James, thanks for... Um, it's your turn next, but thanks for following me up on this one. Have you got any final thoughts or were you you said all you've had to say about the bliss? Like I said before, I think it is something... If, if you've listened to this uh, and you're interested in it, then it's probably for you. If you've listened to this and about 10 minutes into the podcast said, nope, don't watch it. It's not going to win you over. It's it's very, very specific who this movie's made for. Well, I think I started talking the movie up a bit too highly. Then you kind of brought it down and then I thought about it and then you kind of brought me to see why I do appreciate the movie a lot, which I appreciate you for, James. So thank you for that. But yeah, pretty much the same. But sadly, there's a barrier to see this movie because it's not on streaming. You'll basically have to buy on eBay or Amazon from a secondhand seller. And it just, you might not think it's worth the investment. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'll have to leave it up to the listener. But you know what? Listener, if you've seen the movie, why don't you share your thoughts of it in the description down below or like with some of our other discussions people have said i've watched the movie and here's my thoughts feel free to do that it'll be on youtube and yeah leave a comment down below if you've seen the movie and actually saying that i did see this movie in pieces on youtube but i never recommend watching the movie that way because there's always a piece of the movie missing so you're never really seeing the movie properly you're just seeing and again the quality shit there's some so i saw i think i saw like a a Portuguese version with subtitles that was in nine parts and part eight was missing and that's a pretty crucial part to miss so you know I don't know but yeah I'll, I'll leave it up to your discretion I will leave it up to listen discretion so on that note James you are up what are we going to be talking about on the next recording next month we're going to be talking about a movie that I watched when I was 20 and it spoke to me and it's what it's a movie that I always cite to women as if you ever want to understand a man's mind, this is one of the movies to watch. And that movie is High Fidelity with John Cusack. Hey, the the famous, very very famous book. I think it was written. Was it written by a British author? It was. I've I've read the book. Yeah, it was. It was very the books. It's 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 the same story, but it's much more British. Ah, nice. We might have a special surprise for the high fidelity discussion. Me and James have already spoken about it. We're not going to spoil the surprise, are we? Or should we spoil the surprise? No, let's wait. <laughs> Good. I like it. So our high fidelity um, discussion with John Cusack is coming up. we got a little extra special treat you might not see coming. And just to let you know, James, I've already got myself ready for that treat. The, the things are in order for me to to, to have that extra discussion let's just say that for the high fidelity so yeah i need to catch up then i'm prepared and i'll make sure you are too don't worry we've got a month <laughs> so high fidelity classic uh everyone's spoken about it especially if you love rom-coms and that kind of movie so that is up next 
But yeah, this was uh this this was a bit shorter than I thought. You know, I actually thought it was either gonna regarding Bliss, I thought it was either gonna go one of both ways, either love the movie or hate it. Well, I actually thought it was gonna hate the movie. No, I like you said, it's uh you you have to have a certain maturity in order to get through it. I don't think I would recommend this to a uh 19-year-old frat boy. <laughs> but uh somebody who's a little bit more grown up and uh they'll they'll get something out of it even if they don't agree with everything in the movie i think they get something out of it you know what james i couldn't disagree with you more because a 19 year old fat boy might change his ways after watching bliss that'd be nice to think <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like you said originally way back um in the middle of our conversation they're probably just gonna fast forward through the sex scenes and then say oh. it's 2021 I could watch free porn. Why yeah, not watch this bloody for? Yeah, what do I need this for? <laughs> anyway, I think we've passed long, long enough about the movie. James, if the people want to reach you, how and where can they reach you online? They can reach me at manic-expression.com. You can find my books on Amazon. And hopefully the next time that uh, I am here on this podcast, I might have an announcement at the end uh, as well. Absolutely fantastic. I don't even know what the announcement is, people, but when I do hear about it, I am going to promote the hell out of it. So stay tuned. You can find me on Twitter at Planet Tyro, which I'll put a link to in the description. But yeah, all the links for everything we said will be in the, the discussion um, and you know what? Someone actually told me, can you put the IMDb links for the movies in the description? I mean, if you're watching on YouTube, I actually put the covers of the films up. So, you know, that should be enough. But you know what? I will do that. I'll go back and put the IMDb movies in, especially for Bliss, because I think there's a lot of movies called Bliss. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll do that moving forward. That's fine. So, listen to feedback. We appreciate it. On that note, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you next month on the next recording, which again, it's going to be high fidelity. <laughs>